the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Hello, welcome to Hi Kids. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Abby Feldman and I'm 12 years old. Coming up in this Hi Kids today, we'll be, we'll be talking to Benji Shulman. He's an environmentalist. Also, on the show, we will have Hi Kids Riddle to challenge your thinking. And you can win an awesome prize from Laurie Park Zoo to give away. Here are the details. If you have any questions for my guests or you want to answer the riddle or you just want to say hi, SMS 34519. The charge is at 150. You can send me a WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. Please sign your name. Get ready for an interesting show on Hi Kids right after this. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. My guest today in studio is Benji Shulman. He is an environmentalist. Hello, Benji. How are you? Hello, Abby. Thank you for having me on the show. This is so nice for you to be here. Thank you for taking time out of your day to do this. Of course. So I have a few questions for you. You ready? For people who don't know, what is an environmentalist? So, Abby, the environment is basically what's all around us. So water and our oxygen and uh, the earth that we walk on and the oceans and the rivers and all these things that make up uh, the world that is the physical world. And what environmentalists do is they spend a lot of time trying to figure out how can we protect those places, how can we make sure that we use them properly so that... uh, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren still have an earth that they can can use. And what sort of work do you do? So I do a, a range of different things. Um, particularly, uh, I have some work at what's called the Jewish National Fund Walter Sosudo Environmental Center. That's a center in Mamelodi, uh, which is in Pretoria. Mm. And that is a center which teaches children and kids and high kids and any other kind of kids who want to learn uh, about the environment, about how to preserve water, about how to recycle, about how to grow their own food. Uh, and about 10,000 kids come to that center every year to learn about it. And what have you done that you're most proud of? So I think the most proud moment, uh, when I was about your age, uh, I read a book called How to Grow Your Own Organic Vegetables by a guy called Thomas Yardley. And it's like a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's a comic about how to grow organic vegetables. And I grew my very first carrot at about the age of nine. Uh, and it was a great carrot. tasted really good. Okay. Uh, and I was really, really proud of that particular carrot. I've done other stuff, but I was, I was, I was is, proud is that of that. Is that the carrot. highlight of? It was definitely like the first time I really got into environmental stuff and was when I grew my when carrot. And you decided to become an environmentalist? Yeah, after I ate that, that carrot. That particular that, it, it, That's how good it tasted that I thought I was going to be an environmentalist. Wow. You see, see what a carrot can do for you. Mm-hmm. What's the weirdest question anyone has ever asked you besides this interview? Besides this interview, besides the carrot. Uh, the weirdest question, like I often get asked, like, do I hug trees and do I oh, kiss yeah. bears and, uh, all that, that kind of thing. That would actually be a lot of fun. It just looks so kind of cuddly. Yeah, until it eats you. <laughs> I, uh, I think that's a different topic. <laughs> yeah, this is not about eating bears, uh, this particular uh, yeah. topic. Uh, so I often get questions like that. Um, also, people like don't know really like what else I do because to become environmentalist, I studied geography. And I think a lot of people 
you know, or maybe used to studying something else at university, so people often have questions about that. And how long have you been doing this for? Well, as I said, I, I grew my first carrot at about your age, so that was a while ago. But uh, I studied, I studied this at university um, at least ten years ago. So I've been doing it kind of professionally since then. Wow! And what's your favorite part of this job? Uh, I like the fact that uh, you get involved literally as environmentally as get your hands dirty. You know, it's lots of soil and going and, and looking at things. I, I enjoy uh, teaching kids, uh, teaching adults, doing that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of people work. Uh, and I also enjoy uh, the fact that at the end of the work that you do, you, there's something left over, like you help to preserve things. Which person was your greatest influence? Which person was my greatest influence? All people. All people. Uh, whew, that is a good question. I mean, there, there are a lot of quite cool environmentalists out oh, no. there. No, Green Day, despite the name, doesn't do much. That's very green. Uh, there's a pretty <laughs> cool guy. He's called the polar bear swimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he tries to highlight issues around climate change by swimming in the Antarctic. Uh, and nearly freezing to death in the process. Oh, uh, and he's like six foot, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, but if you look up the polar bear swimmer, uh, he's a pretty cool dude. Oh, fun. And, whew, so many questions. And what, why, you read that book, right? What made you, like, draw to that book? Why did you want to pick that book up? So it's interesting. I mean, that, that book was given to me by my aunt. Uh, as a present. I don't know why she thought that this would be a good idea, but she gave it to me as a present. And I think what was interesting about the book is that it wasn't just like, okay, this is how you grow a carrot, right? You've got to put it in the soil and give it water. All that's important. But, you know, when a- any of us eat food, that food comes through a whole chain. Uh, if it's, uh, if it starts somewhere and it's been grown and then it's been moved and then it's been put in your freezer and then it's often been chopped up and put plastic around it, whatever. So whenever you eat, you're actually eating a whole system of stuff that got you that food. And the food we eat is very reflective of what our society is like. And that book really helped me to understand what that system is and where some of the problems are that we would need to do in order to fix it. So I think that's what was interesting for me. What qualities do you think you need to become successful in life? Um, you know, there's this guy that uh, his name is Dion Opperman, and uh, Dion Opperman is not an environmentalist; he's an actor, and he once spoke at my school, and he said, "In life, you get all you get really in life is a spoon. You get a little teaspoon." And he said, "Basically, what life gets is a it gives you a massive mountain." You get a spoon in a mountain, and all you have to do in life is put the spoon in the mountain and just keep digging away with your spoon into the mountain. Uh, and and it's not doesn't mean that you'll be guaranteed success, but unless you're prepared to put your spoon in the mountain every single day and dig out a lot of dirt, then you're not going to get anywhere. So I think you have to be able to use your spoon very effectively. And what other kind of work do you do? Well, um, often environmentalists are known for being... Uh, Activists, people who go out there on the streets, you don't really get paid for that per se, although you can. That's a pity. Uh, no, look, I mean, there are pay, it's also a career these days. You do get paid yeah. activists and people who, or what they call community organizers. Um, and I've done quite a lot of that. I organize a lot of protests in my time and, uh, which upset a lot of people and you know, a lot of flyers, a lot of talks. So I've done a lot of that sort of activism. Uh, as a geographer, I've also, We've created what's called green maps. So, uh, I, I don't know, people even use maps these days. 
but if you're looking on a map, you might see a post office or a school or something. And, and the maps we make is uh, maps that show environmental resources, like places where you can recycle, places where you can get organic food, all that kind of stuff. So I do that sort of work as well. And can you explain what going green means? So going green is really about looking at your lifestyle and seeing how can you make it more relevant to being lighter on the earth, right? So do you, for example, before you go to bed, uh, do you turn off all the lights in your house or do you keep them on the whole night while you're trying to sleep? Uh, and I'm not just talking here about mm-hmm. people who are scared of the dark. I'm saying, you know, like the lights in the, in the lounge where you shouldn't. Uh, when you're brushing your teeth, do you leave the water running while you brush your teeth or do you brush your teeth and then turn on the water? Uh, if you're going to throw things away, do you make sure that you're recycling properly? So when you talk about going green, it's about changing those lifestyle choices so that you're uh, being less of an impact on the environment. And for people that think you are absolutely crazy. All of them. Yeah. Right. Um, why is looking after the environment so important? I think that I think that's reasonably self-evident. If the day that your water comes out of your tap and is either no water or it's kind of a bit brown and sludgy, then people will wake up and and really realize why this is important. Uh, basically, the big challenge of the next hundred years, and I think for for people listening to this show, maybe your kids who are thinking about. What do they want to do with their future? The biggest issues that are going to be facing the world is how do we feed ourselves? How do we make sure we have water to drink? How do we make sure we have clean air and soil that works? And all that kind of stuff is done by environmentalists. And so it's not just about, you know, patting bears and hugging trees. There's a lot of quite serious work that's being done around the world in places like Israel with different technologies. And it's actually a really exciting place to be where people are making a big change in terms of how the earth is run. Why is Israel so important in environmental ideas? So Israel is basically a desert, right? Mm. It's a 60% desert. And when it started uh, as a country in 1948, there were a few hundred thousand people. So in, in 60 years, 70 years now, uh, we now have not just 10 times that amount, but 100 times that amount. There's now 8 million people living in Israel. And it's a tiny place the size of the Kruger Park, right? So... The Israelis have had to really up their game in terms of how do they provide water to people. And they do amazing things. I can tell you if you're interested. Yeah. Uh, here's an I mean, interesting one. Uh, the, what's your favorite fish from Finding Nemo? Nemo. Nemo, right? And Nemo is a, is a clownfish. Yeah. So, so where do clownfish live? In the ocean, I guess. Wrong answer. Okay. So where clownfish live is actually in the desert. They actually live in the desert. If you drive for like 20 kilometers into the Israeli desert, you'll come to Kibbutzim, and there in the middle of the desert are big ponds of clownfish. So, so how does it even happen, right? So how it worked was people went into the desert. They said, we need to live here for a variety of reasons because that's mostly what Israel is. But what are we going to do? We can't grow any, any crops. But when people saw that there was water under the ground, they pulled up the water, but it was salty and it was hot. You can't grow crops on salty hot water. But they thought about it. They said, well, what can you grow in salty hot water? And they realized that Nemo fish, clownfish, actually grow in very similar kinds of water. And there's, because of the movies, a big demand. People want to have their own Nemo fish. So in Israel now, they grow these Nemo fish. They live in big ponds. And then they go to Europe so European kids can have a Nemo fish. And that's just like one example of, of how Israelis use what they have to 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 make the environment better, but also to use what they have effectively. One thing you said that they um, like live there and stuff, mm. but aren't they technically imported to there? Well, the, the, it's not like the Nemo fish are running around in the 
in the rivers or the oceans around Israel. So yes, they bring them, but but basically they breed them once they're there. So you have a pair yeah. of fish, and then they have eggs, and then yeah, you can yeah. kind of have a whole generation um, of fish. What other organizations do you work with? So there's the, the Jewish National Fund. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners will know the trees. If anyone's had a bar mitzvah on your show, they would have got a tree. Uh, and we plant trees in Israel, plant trees in South Africa. So the Mamalodi Center is actually an extension of that work that the Jewish community does. Uh, green Map, what I was telling you about making those Green Maps is international organizations. So there's Green Maps in all sorts of countries around the world. So that's uh, another big one. I'm part of an organization called Save Huddle Park. Uh, if people know Huddle Park, they maybe walk their dogs. So sometimes there's been attempts to, to build that into uh, housing complexes or whatever. So I've been, that's where I do a lot of my protesting. So those are all organizations that I've worked with. And you told us what going green means and you basically said, don't waste water, don't turn on the glass that you don't need. So what are other ways that we can, um, help for like kids my age? Mm. So I tell you the best thing that you can do, especially a kid your age. Uh, and there's actually so much because, you know, you guys are not really the future. You know that, right? People always tell you kids are the future. They're lying. Kids are right now, right? You as Thank a kid, you, you're we making. We appreciate the optimism and your hope in us. No, there's not hope. You, you, when you leave the studio right now, you're going to make the change in the world. Not me. I'm old and a bit smelly. Um, I think that's a different topic, but okay. <laughs> okay, so bears and smelly, right? Okay, so those are the two different topics. The, the best thing that you can do as a, as, as a kid, I think, and it's something that I learned, is when you have something to drink at a restaurant, don't use a straw. Don't use straws. Because whenever you do one of these beach cleanups anywhere, uh, and, and like people like Miss Earth will tell you this all the time, the beaches are covered in straws. And you don't always need to have straws. Sometimes you do. But if you don't have to have a straw, why have it? I mean, yes, it's cool. And I suppose if you're having a milkshake, a straw is necessary. But if you're just having something to drink at a restaurant, don't have a straw. And by the time you're 60, you would have not used so many straws. You would have, like, saved the ocean from a whole bunch of plastic. So that would be the one thing. If you're going to do one thing, don't have a straw. And, like, for kids with, like, braces who, like, if they put, like, ass in their drink and you can't drink it. Like- uh, I must say, I have, does the straw help with... with- yes. Okay, uh, I, I didn't realize that. I've had braces for a really long time. I also had one of those huge headgear things. I looked like a, a satellite dish. It was awful. Uh, but obviously, if you need something, then you, you you don't have to do it. But if if you don't, if it's unnecessary, then then you shouldn't. So so the straw is one thing, but I can give you uh, lots of lots of other stuff. So you right. can you can grow your own food. Uh, okay. It's a it's quite a cool thing. It's not difficult. Uh, you can grow it. You know, you can grow like beans among your genes. Uh, if you really wanted to, uh, and it's really delicious because you, they need you can grow mushrooms, uh, you can grow tomatoes on windowsills. So, so grow your own food; it's delicious. You can contribute to your household's uh, lowering of your Wait, food bills. Did you say you're not like talking about those mushrooms that like turn up in your garden and you like push away your dog no, from eating? Okay, no? so that's uh, th- th- thank you. That is a good point. Do not, <laughs> under any circumstances, eat mushrooms that. Or growing in your house. That is a bad idea. Uh, and I would not encourage anyone to do it under any circumstances. I did actually once have a principal and he so was. you were going to say that you once ate the mushrooms. No, no, no. But he used to because he was an expert botanist. He was an expert in, in plants. And so, and we had at my school, they, these mushrooms used to grow. And so he knew which ones he could eat and which ones he couldn't. And he used to go harvest them. But I wouldn't recommend it for anyone else, including myself. You can rather, but there's kits that you can buy. We can grow your own mushrooms because mushrooms need darkness. And so you can grow your own mushrooms. And what's cooler than cooking eggs in the morning and, and having your own mushrooms that you can put and tomatoes that you can put with your, with your eggs. So, so grow your own food is, is a great one as well. 
and eggs are the only reason you should be growing mushrooms? Well, I don't know. You can have mushroom burgers. I mean, that is also a, a, a good one. You have a mushroom burger. I'm going mushroom to have burgers the are delicious. Best burger. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run it with mushrooms. It's like people who no, put no, no, pineapple no, no, on no. their pizza. You, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. The point about mushroom burgers is that there's no meat. Okay, so meat is also, by the way, something which contributes uh, quite heavily to in, the environment because a cow uh, is. Uh, something that, that eats a lot of grass and it does a lot of things and cows are not always treated very well. I'm not necessarily saying you have to go vegetarian, right? But there are, uh, I'm not vegetarian myself, but there are ways that you can eat things like meat substitutes. So if you have a black mushroom, big black mushroom, you know those, the ones that you, yeah. you, know, you, you don't do a lot of shopping, I'm sure. Uh, but if don't you understand. <laughs> next time you go shopping, go and get the big black mushroom and then you, you, you sort of fry it a little bit. Take some tomato, some lettuce, a bit of garnish. You won't even know it's not a, be- a meat burger because it's a mushroom burger. Very, very tasty. But they're both different things. And yet it still tastes good. I'm sorry. Okay, but it doesn't taste the same as the like actual hamburger, so, the one that's meant to be eaten. So you actually be surprised, you know, if you go to these hectic vegan restaurants, right? And they uh, are. F- first thing, why would you go to a hectic vegan restaurant <laughs> when when you have like RTG and? So, so I have to tell Abigail is like killing people in the background here. They think it's hilarious. So look, I'm very happy with RTG and and all these sort of things. I'm, I'm giving an example, right? Okay. And I'm saying that that if you eat some of these, like the people really into the stuff. They can make it taste like it's meat, even though you're eating tofu. And I know it sounds crazy, but it really is a thing. How does that even work? Like, listen, I'm I, as I said, so, I'm not a vegetarian, so, so I'm not a people, vegan, but no, you can do it. There are people saying that don't use flavoring, don't use coloring, mm-hmm. and then there are vegetarians who are, I'm assuming, they use flavoring and coloring. Not necessarily, and even when they do, it's not always chemically done. It's often like Which natural. They use, like use flowers, like crushed yeah, roses you, in, the, in the back. You're knocking it, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And you can actually get all of the stuff naturally done. And there's there's all these different ways that you can eat differently. Okay. I'm not, as I say, you don't have to go all the way. I'm saying try, all I'm saying is try a mushroom burger. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. That you've grown yourself. Listen, I'll listen. I might not try a mushroom burger. I think, I think the next time I come to the Kai Kids show, we're going to eat mushroom burgers, uh, and see how they taste. What do you think? Uh, yeah. We can have a, we can have a beef versus mushroom burger taste off. We both know. The actual burger will win. Listen, I sold mushrooms as a kid. Like, it was one of these Again, things I did. why didn't you just sell, sell chocolates? Like, why mushrooms? Well, in that particular case, I was given mushrooms to, st- it was mushroom or carpet cleaner. So I went with mushroom. How do you carpet cleaner? What, well, I did it. It was horrible. It was boring. Uh, You're so not I'm, meant to eat that, you know? No, it's true. It's true. But it was really boring. You're like, you'd be in the shops and people would be like, what are you doing? And you have to like, it's so it was much more fun. It's shop. Well, how it used to work, and Good this is now completely not on the topic any longer. But uh, basically, people wanted my, wanted carpet cleaner, and you would have to go there with a carpet and like hold it up at the shop, so that people would choose your carpet cleaner over the other one. So that was a carpet cleaner. With the mushrooms, I used to be able to cook it in the shop. I used to go there. Wait, and how old are you saying you were? When I was doing work like this, I was probably about sixteen. Maybe 18. I'm picturing like an eight-year-old that like, going to the shop, like saying carpet cleaner. Like, no. This is not the Chai Kids carpet cleaner show. No, it's just uh, I was a teenager at the time. So, uh, but people, when you when you get older, sometimes you do strange things for money, and what, that was one of the things that I did. But I learned how to eat, make a mushroom burger, which is the start of this whole thing. Um. So we actually have a question: Does animals affect the environment? 
That's a broad question. The answer is yes. Anything affects the environment. So do you know what a beaver is? Those things that build dams. Exactly. Back in so how do they build the dams? They they have big teeth. That's basically like a rat with a massive, like funny flat tail, and they actually chew Great the description. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, they chew the trees, and then the trees fall down, and then they make the the thing out. So that's one example. Elephants are considered to be a complete uh, change in nature. They can take a forested area and push over all the trees. Uh, they're as effective as fire or wind or, or water. So yeah, so animals then why can change. Just use elephants, like instead of like. Doing your street fires, why don't we just get like a herd of elephants in? Or you can just use my brother. I feel like, Either like one you're one of those that people one. that, that in South Africa overseas, people like ask if you ride a lion. Oh to, yeah. To, I and am. then you and tell then, them that, yes, I ride a yeah. lion. Yeah. No, I actually ride my, uh, my elephant. His name's Phil. And he, and he yeah, clears he, the trees for you. And he's so six years old, yeah. So I will give that you a much more interesting example maybe than elephants or beavers. So we talked about organic, right? Mm. Organic. So what does organic mean? It means that you try and use more natural methods of dealing with uh, things like pests and, and all that kind of stuff. So some organic farms, they will have geese, and the geese come and they eat the snails and the slugs off of the vines that are making uh, the, but the wine. But how do you know the geese won't actually eat the grapes? Geese don't eat grapes. They eat slugs. So uh, that's how you know. And that's a cheap, easy, effective, environmentally friendly way of doing it instead of putting chemicals on the vines and then you have to drink the wine well not yet but uh maybe your parents drink the the wine that has uh that has the chemicals in it so here the geese eat it and then you reduce the amount of chemicals of the earth okay but don't okay you say that animals have a big effect on the environment whether it's good or bad they can yes but you saying how some things can be bad but if you saying animals are cows Mm -hmm. They stomp on everything, they eat the grass, there isn't whatever, mm-hmm. but then they fertilize the ground. Right. How do you get that difference, that level of, okay, we, where, where do you draw the line? Right. So I think you have to make a differentiation between what happens in the wild and what happens in a farm or a factory yeah. farm, right? So in the wild, if the elephants come through and knock over all the trees, uh, eventually they're going to move on, but all the seeds that they've knocked off will grow again. And eventually, mm-hmm. in 30 years, you'll have a forest again. Now, 30 years in human lifetime is very big. In a forest, it's not really a, a big deal, right? So so that's eventually in the natural world, things kind of even out eventually. When it comes to the cows, the thing about the cows is that they're not like roaming around in a field eating grass. They're generally stuck in like a very small area. They force fed often. There's no grass. Uh, and so it's, that's like a very, because it's like a factory, uh, it's a very sort of damaging way to produce things. And that's how the, and that's how it can be damaging to the environment because it's not really an environment. It's like a factory. That's sad. It, it is sad. I think a lot of, Things that are happening at the moment around animal rights is about how we produce food because it's fine to eat animals, but uh, I, I think anyway. But but there is a question There's around a how eat a mushroom burger instead of a normal burger. Well, well, yeah, and I'm not even that radical, I promise. But uh, the, you know, there's a lot of questions around okay. how we how we how do you farm the animal? Is it treated properly? You know, a lot of even kashrut, for example, is about how do you treat animals so that they okay you eat them, but but you have to treat them well as well. And so how do you make sure that if you're in a shop and you're buying, let's say, meat from Woolies, mm-hmm. how do you make sure that you're buying meat 
that with the cow that's been treated right and this and that. And, and mid-patted and spoken. No, you don't have to pat your cows. Don't worry. So there's, Listen, there's, don't <laughs> underestimate me again. Okay. Rides elephants, pats cows, right? Yeah. Doesn't eat mushroom burgers. Um, and I have a pet lion, don't forget a that. A pet lion, right. Uh, okay, let's, um, so, so often you will find on meat or on any product, you can actually, it's a very key thing to educate yourself on the labels, okay? Those, you know that, all that boring stuff at the back of the cornflakes that isn't yeah. like with the cool, with the cool people in the front. So you should read those labels. They're boring. But when you read them and you understand what you're reading, you can actually understand like what's in them. The one that says like Frosty's like fun facts with back, where it says like, um, when, have you ever noticed when you eat, you're not hungry anymore? Like those kind of things. No, not at all. I mean, those are important. I'm always encouraging people to read. But if you flip the box to the other side and you'll see on the Frosty's it says, uh, made with psychogluca hoopermate or whatever, something like that, where it's really long words. Do you mean like glucose? Not just glucose. If it's just glucose, you're fine. But, Often you'll see that in the in the packs of stuff, there's they've added lots of stuff in. You'll see like little circles of stuff. Often that'll say, uh, if you look up what those symbols mean, it can mean that it's kosher, but also it can mean that it's free range, which means the cow hasn't been uh, is is not been like mm. factory farmed. Uh, there's organic labels, fair trade labels, which means that the people working there get paid properly. So if you can look up the labels, that's an, often a good way to tell how environmentally friendly your food okay. is. And can you explain to us? What the different labels mean? So, yeah, sure. So I'm assuming you know what a kosher label means, right? Yeah. Um, so if it's, if it's, as I said, fair trade. So fair trade means that the people who are farming the, it's often applied in chocolate. That's mm. a big, big place where you find fair trade. So normally what would happen is that people make the chocolate and then they get paid. Say you, say you buy the chocolate for a hundred rand. Okay. That's a very expensive piece of chocolate, I know. Uh, worth it. Worth it. Well, absolutely. But often. I mean, the, agrees. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a big chocolate fan as well with mushrooms. Um, I'm joking. Joking. There's no mushroom in chocolate. Okay, Although chocolate mushrooms be. are not. No, flavor. no. Okay. All right. I'm just saying, just saying back to the fair trade. So I, I, I couldn't, I can't tell you the exact statistic because I wasn't expecting to talk about fair trade on the show. But if, if, if people who are listening to the show Google fair trade, basically what it means is that the percentage of that hundred rand, let's say one rand goes to the farmer, then maybe five rand go to the farmer. And, and that means that the people who are producing it are often in rural areas, often poor, often don't have access to a lot of resources. They then get a lot more money. Uh, and, and so that's like one label. Uh, the organic label is another one. That means that for, all the organic ones mean something different. But again, it means there's no pesticides being used in the food. Uh, there's uh, proper crop rotation. There's all this sort of thing. So if you read the labels and then Google them, they'll actually tell you what it is that what mm. they're doing. And you're saying how you held a lot of protests and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking how people hold protests, protests yeah. for like trees and stuff. Have you ever noticed how they use paper things to hold up? Right, and the question is, and and I think that it's an, it's a good point, right? There's being an environmentalist is not saying, well, I'm going to go live in a tree somewhere and never ever uh, come out and not be part of the modern world. As long as they're Netflix and like popcorn, like exactly. I'll be good. And 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 but but that's the point, right? Is that it's not about saying that the modern world is a terrible place and we and we 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 want to just do. It. That's a, a very aggressive way of seeing it. It's about saying, look, you've got to live on the earth. I've got to live on the earth. How do we have our Netflix, eat our popcorn, but make sure that for the next generation they can also do that? And there's ways of doing it. There's, you, don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, you, you don't have to not do things. There's ways of 
my, my sense would be don't do unnecessary things. Okay. If you can cut out unnecessary things, then that's like often half of it. Drinking with a straw. Like drinking with a straw is a very good one. Trust okay. me, if you've ever had to clean up straws on beaches, you know how much plastic goes into the oceans, which then the ocean animals eat. Uh, and it's not just straws. I mean, plastic that, bags. That, that's not like your intention. You know, I'm like, okay, by drinking this straw, my goal is I'm going to kill six fish. Okay. Let's see if I can do that. So, so but I think that's a, that's an in, extraordinary point that you're making is that often we do things without really thinking about what are the consequences. So I drove here, for example, in a car, right? So that car is putting stuff into the atmosphere. It's not my intention that someone down the road uh, is going to now have asthma, but I'm also part of the problem. So we need to think about, uh, when we think about where our food comes from, how does our water go, often there's effects further along that, that we don't know about. And by educating ourselves, uh, we can actually cut down on that impact and still have a good time because because it's life is about having fun but the queen and you can even have fun when you when you're being green about it so i want to use israel for example israel okay. people use a lot of like public transport and mm-hmm. like you run to catch buses and all of that is that better or worse so public transport is a very good way uh, of doing things. And that's in South Africa. Um, we, we, well, we, we're starting to, slowly. So if you, if anyone has driven down Louis Boerta Avenue, for example, mm. uh, you'll notice a bit of a mess. But the reason is they're starting to put in proper bus lanes with the proper buses. So I think that's a very good start. Public transport is excellent. Uh, people taking bicycling if they can do it to work. I've tried it. I nearly fell off the bike. It wasn't pretty. So well, I don't know. Why would you do suggest that. it to other people if you well, nearly died? Well, because they're much better at cycling than I am. I was a terrible cyclist. Uh, so that so was then why would you try it? You've got to try everything once, at least once, you know. No. Like, like no. You, you haven't I'm even tried mushroom try burgers, and you haven't even tried that for once. For good reason. Well, you don't know, because you haven't I tried. Because I want to live. No, mushrooms are not dangerous. Only dangerous mushrooms are dangerous. Anyway, again with the mushrooms. Yeah, thank you. Well, you haven't tried it yet, so I don't know. Um, Trust me, my parents have tried for years. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll, again, we're going to have to have a mushroom burger bake-off in the studio. No. <laughs> uh, so yes, taking public transport is very important to get back to the point. Uh, cycling, walking, these are not always options in South Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. But perhaps if you're going to school every day, do you take somebody else to school with you? Because then that uh, can help. You know, if you take your neighbour, first of all, you'll get to know your neighbour, and it'll be much nicer, unless they're sort of a horrible neighbour. But maybe by the time you get to school, they won't be, and you would have been more environmentally we'll, we'll go back friendly. To that. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, public transport is a big deal. Also, because cars take up a lot of space, they take up a lot of parking, which means you've got to like take up a lot more room. So the whole way that we live is is quite uh, can be quite like difficult, you know. And what is your favorite part about doing this? Uh, I like coming on shows like this and talking to people. And uh, being proved wrong by twelve year old girl. Well, yeah, no? but that's because she hasn't eaten the the mushroom burger yet. It's a uh, mushroom burger. <laughs> I really think that I'd like people to SMS in and ask, if anybody's ever tried a mushroom burger, please? Uh, we would love to know if you've ever tried a mushroom burger. 34519, please. Someone just sent in a message. Would going vegan help with the environment? I think going vegetarian, going vegan does help. There's definitely no question in my mind that uh, it, is an, it is an important part of doing it. But it's not the only thing. I think that... Uh, there's lots of things that you can do, and I think people struggle with not eating meat, and it's it's not a decision that I think is necessarily for everyone. But, you know, they have a an interesting thing which they do around the world, including in South Africa, which is called Meat-Free Mondays. So just, people just don't eat meat on Mondays, which I think even people like me who do like meat can do. So 
you know, there's no need to go full vegetarian or anything like that. But definitely, I think that there is a, a positive effect um, for the cows and uh, and for the people. But you were saying how um, animals and cows can also destroy the environment. Wouldn't that weigh more on the destructive side if we stop like doing this kind of stuff? You mean stop eating meat? Yeah. No, so, so it's not. You mustn't think about the cow going out there and destroying. It's not like super cow, you know, flying all over, all over the place destroying the environment. It's the process of of growing the cow that's destructive. So it's how do you produce the food? Where do you get the water from? The cow's waste gets into the into the system. You know what is that problematic? Uh, cows do all sorts of things like farting, which is not great for the atmosphere when they do it in large amounts of of cows. Uh, so it's not the it's cow not itself. It's released into a balloon. Well, it's not released into a balloon. It's released into the atmosphere. So so that's a it can be a okay. real problem. Uh, so, so it's the process of the cow living like they produce the cows that is the issue especially when there's so many of them because it's such a big demand okay and what is you were talking about going green (laughs) earlier and what do you think you were saying about what your favorite part is and all of that but why do you think it's so important for us to go green because we need to have a world right you can't live in a world where there's no water and there's no oxygen and there's no food and so, therefore, it's very important uh, that everyone finds ways. And and it's again, it's not difficult. There was a there's a guy Simon Gear. He has a book called Going uh, 365 Ways to Go Green. It's an easy okay. book. You can buy it, and they're easy tips. So again, this is not difficult stuff. Uh, it's not about changing your whole lifestyle. It's about doing something a bit different. Uh, and and it, and one small act can make a really big difference in this kind of thing. Thank you so much for being on Hackers today. Um, this has been Chai Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Abby Feldman and I'm 12 years old. Join us tomorrow for another Chai Kids show on 101.9 Chai FM. Thank you Matthew for producing and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Goodbye.